And we are live! Welcome to Game Breakers, everyone. You're a guy, Edwin, once again, back on the scene. Yes, sir. You know, I'm so glad, right? Because it's a nice Thursday afternoon. We're almost done with the week. Jeez, I tell you, man, a long week, guys. A long week that we have had so far, but we are almost there. We are almost there for the drink that we get every single week. Every single week. Thank you, God, man. That was annoying. But anyways, hope you guys are doing great out there. Hope everyone's having a great, great afternoon. You know, grind does not stop. Get to your bag. Get to your grind. Keep on with that same focus and consistency and keep on doing your thing. But anyways, before we move on to some NBA playoff talk, you know, NHL playoff hockey. It's exciting. I hope you're watching it. I'm not a sponsor for hockey. Don't get me wrong. I just love talking about hockey sometimes because watching the playoffs has been great. I'm not going to go into detail of anything, but just to see the performances of the Kabul, uh, uh, the Hurricanes, sorry, Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. I mean, Rangers had a, a lead throughout the, the whole entire uh, three periods that were played. And then the comeback by the Hurricanes was insane. Calgary Flames also defeated the Houston Oilers. Edmonton, sorry, Edmonton, Houston Oilers. Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> big win for them. But for the most part, I'm just here to say that if you're watching hockey, you should be glad because it's another avenue to sports that brings excitement and some betting money, too, if you bet on it. Just keep on betting on it, man. I know it's tough. I know it can go either way sometimes. You can't really tell what's going to happen in hockey anyway. But for the most part, it's still exciting to watch. Now, before we dive into some NBA talk, trouble, trouble between Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, and Deion Sanders? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so let me give you guys some backstory. Some backstory from what happened, all right? Nick Saban claimed that Texas A&M bought all their players in which he said, and I quote, I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. Saban told a group of local business leaders, AM was first. AM bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, likeness. We didn't buy one player, all right? But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. It's tough. And Fisher responded, What's funny? In that talk, right before he said that about us, wasn't he soliciting funds from the crowd? He said, it's amazing, isn't it? When you walk on water, I guess it doesn't matter. And also, Fisher went on to say that we never bought anybody. No rules are broken. Nothing was done wrong. It's a shame that you've got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families in Texas A&M because we are doing things right. Or we do things right, at least. We're always going to do things right. We're always going to do be we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. And also, by the way, Nick Saban also went on to slag off Deion Sanders and his Jackson State uh, team by saying Jackson State paid a, a guy one million last year who was really good Division One player to come to their school. Saban said it was in the paper and they bragged about it. No one did anything about it. To which. My guy, prime time, Deion Sanders retorted by saying, you best believe I will address that lie. Capital letters lie, Coach Saban told tomorrow 
Uh, I was awakened by my, I was awakened. I was and awakened by my son, tag the son, that sent me the article stating that we paid Travis Hunter a million to play at Go JSU Tigers football. We as a people don't need or don't have to pay our people to play with our people. And also Travis Hunter, uh, he came in on this conversation and said that I got a mill, laughing emoji, but my mom still stayed in three bedroom house with five kids. You know, it's it's very sad to hear this from Nick Saban because I, I hold him to a high regard, probably the best college football uh, coach in history or arguably is at least at this point, right? Very, very, very successful program at Alabama. And for him to say this is insane, right? Very, very insane. To say that Texas A&M paid their players, I mean, why are we taking shots at 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds who are freshly coming out of high school trying to make their name in a college realm? Why are we doing that? Why? Why are we taking shots at coaches who, by the way, you've had affiliations with in the past and you have given praise to in the, in the past? Why are we taking shots at them saying that they, that they have a program filled with players that they paid for? Hypocrite. I smell a lot of hypocrisy here. I really do. To, to it, it really hurts me the most when he's talking about Travis Hunter joining a, a, a black college, you know, and or a black university, HBCU, right? Saying that we have to pay him, our people, we have to pay our people to play with our people. That's such nonsense. <laughs> what if he wants to raise awareness by doing this? What if he just wants to play for the coach, Deion Sanders, who is, by the way, I think he will be a great coach for uh, his team. No, nothing wrong with that. Um, but what if he wants to play under the coach? What if he wants to play with that team? We really can't criticize these young boys who are turning into men because of the decisions that they make in lifetime or because of the decisions that they make at that moment when it comes to playing or where they want to play for, at least. I mean, that's just nonsense to me. Next Saban, we can make speculation about how your team, your program gets all the best players, quote unquote, right? And there's no evidence to suggest that Texas A&M has paid their players to come on that team and play football for Jimbo Fisher. So why are we taking shots at that? I don't get like, why, why are we doing that? Why? If there's any program, <laughs> you guys know, if there's any program that has the chance to, to have some type of investigation go on about recruitment, it's Alabama. Because who wants to go all? I mean, listen, no, no, no disrespect to Alabama, but let's say, for example, I'm coming from New Jersey, California, um, Miami. To 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 move from my house to go to Alabama, down south. What? That's not what I want to do. That that's not what I want to do at all. Okay. Once again, nothing to Alabama. Nothing against Alabama. If you that's your cup of tea, that's your cup of tea. But Come on now. You think that a lot of these players want to move down there for the state itself? They want to move down there because of the program, right? But to say that other programs are breaking the rules and doing things unethical or in an unethical way is just downright trash. Like, I, I really, I'm really disappointed in Nick Saban. I really am. I think he should definitely... Well, it's reported that he did get to reach out, or he tried to reach out to Jimbo Fisher. Of course, Fisher was mad at him, 
<laughs> so he didn't pick up. And I'm not sure of how his relationship with Deion Sanders would change too, because these guys were just in commercials. They were just talking about each other, praising each other. Oh, for the most part, Nick Saban was praising Sanders. And now you come out and say this? That's not a good look at all. Like, what, what are you doing? A complete 360, a complete 180, sorry, of, of what, what was going on in the past. That's insanely terrible. It really is. I, I can't believe this. So, Nick Saban, you're wrong. There is no ev- evidence to suggest that these programs, Jackson State, Texas A&M, are buying their players. Right, and if there's any program that would be under investigation, my first gut feeling would be to go to Alabama. Alabama, definitely. My first gut feeling, because how else is your program so successful every year? How else, right? It's not only by your coaching. We know you're a great coach, but it's not only by your coaching that carries these players on over the hump. It's the talent that you get every single year. So how else are you getting to be in consideration of championships and playoff runs every single year? How else are you always in the top four or projected top four of teams in the country every single year? Winning championships, winning bowls every year. Come on. Let's be honest here. Come on. Do yourself a favor, Nick Saban, and just reflect because you, we should have thought before you said those comments. You really should have thought to yourself on how this would be perceived after saying those comments. And you did not choose rightly. You didn't choose wisely. Insane. Insane. To pay Travis Hunter a million to go to Jackson State? Oh, boy. Come on, man. What if black people just want to play with black people? What, what, what about that? What if black people would just want to have an experience and play with black people, despite what what program it may be? Come on now. Come on. Anyways, guys, let's move on. NBA talk. Of course, Mavericks and Warriors. What did I say? What did Ricardo say last night? We called the Mavericks to win game one. Did they win game one? Of course not. They got blown out. Why? Because that defense intensity that was I, I, I thought would come into the game, was there for some parts, but unfortunately, I ended up tweeting, why did the Mavericks only play defense at home? Why? Why do we do that? Okay. I don't understand why. Right. So, first off, before we go into anything, let's talk about the defense, right? I thought the Mavericks did a good job in the first half of running Warriors three-pointers or the three-point snipers that they have off the three-point line. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. No, Warriors made a, t- a couple of tough buckets, which is what you expect them to do because they have some lethal scores, right? So, you know, you can run them off the three-point line, but now it's an- another phase of defending where they could either take you off the dribble, blow past you, get a layup, shoot over you, which is what happened a, a couple of times last night. Clay Thompson got going in the second half because he was shooting over people, just backing them down. Jordan Poole, once again, the blow pass, the contorting of the body to finish those tough layups. That's tough. That's great right there. But for the most part, I thought they did a great job of forcing these guys to take an extra dribble and not raise up. Or when it came down to it, they made guys like Andrew Wiggins, who didn't have a bad game at all. He had 19 points. But he was three for eight from three, which is not terrible. But when it comes down to Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, 
Steph Curry, despite those guys struggling for the most part in this postseason, you would want guys like Andrew Wiggins to take that three. So that's what it was. Uh, but we get down to that, and when we get to the double-teaming aspect of the game, I was very, very disappointed. Why? Because why are we showing this Warriors team soft double-team? Why? We did our job. The first phase was to bring the double team, right? First phase, bring the double team. And there were so many times in that game where Warriors said, okay, we're going to switch and we're going to get Luka to guard us because Luka is obviously the one of the weak points of that defense. We get it. Like, he's not, he's a great scorer, a great player, but he's a lackluster defender. He really is. Okay. It's a miracle to see how well he would fit into that defense that was carrying this. Mavericks team the whole entire season, and that has pretty much uh, gained some steam as the playoffs went on. But for the most part, he is still the weak link. We get Luka in the, in the, the double team, and he's showing a, a soft double team. What are you doing? Hard show. Force him to pick the ball up. You're backing up, double team, backing up, backing up, and, you know, he's either a floater at that point, or we're going to keep on going, blow past you, make the layup. Like, that's not the point of it. That is not the point of the double team. I don't get it. I'm not sure if that's what uh, Jason Kidd told him to do, but that's a terrible move to make. When you have them right where you want them to, and you don't give that hard double team to make them make tough decisions and make them make passes. Listen, when it comes down to it all, what should have been the game plan for me, in my opinion, was when you have that double team, you show that hard double team, you make them make that extra pass, and then at the point of them making that skip pass to the corner or to the wing, you just have to close out. Scramble, scramble defense, close out, and make sure that we have a, a good contest. That's pretty much what it is, right? Because we're not going to let them beat us off of easy mid-range shots because they are phenomenal shooters, but we're not going to make them beat us off of the easy floaters and easy buckets to put ourselves in bad jeopardy. They haven't been shooting the three-point ball this postseason well anyway. So I think it would be a safe bet to take that and to close out and to just use our length. Maxi Kleber, Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, Luca is not he's, – he's a, he, has a, he has some length to himself. Only guy that doesn't have any length is Jalen Brunson. Use our length and just contest. But what do we see? Soft double teams. We didn't see enough of the, the man defense. The man defense was atrocious, by the way. So I can see why they went away from that. But the, the zone – Right, was not really there for the most part for me. And second half came, and these guys were giving up the looks that they weren't giving up in the first half. I mean, what changed? Why 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 are we changing? What what happened? And by the way, going up about, about looks, can I tell you guys the amount of open looks the Mavericks had last night and missed? I mean, seriously, Jalen Brunson missed a couple of open looks. 0 for 5 from 3, Dorian Finney Smith, Reggie Bullock. But I will give credit to the Warriors because a lot of zone, a lot of boxing one, a lot of man defense that caused some of these other looks that they did uh, make to make them much tougher to, you know, put the ball in the basket. That's what happened. But for the most part, I thought they had open looks that they could have made to keep themselves in the game. Did not hit them. Didn't hit them. And what happened? What did I say? To win a game in this series. For the most part, obviously you could win in other ways, but to win a game in this series, for the most part, you have to shoot the ball better than the other team. Now, both teams 
finished off the game very, very atrocious from three. All right. 22% from three from the Mavericks side. Warriors actually were shooting the ball very, very atrocious in the first half. I think it was like 20 29%, but they increased that in the second half, 34%, 35% rounding up, right? Because they were getting much more easier looks and they were finishing their, their dinner for the most part. But it's insane to, to watch how that was a drastic change from the, the Mavericks side of defending the three ball, the three point ball to moving on to the second half. And then we get all these open looks and we getting these, these easier, easier matchups for the Warriors than what we were giving them in the first half. But I got to say, once again, I don't understand how we don't play with that same defensive intensity that we'd want to play at home with. It's, it's mind boggling to me. And yes, I get it. It's the first game. So I'm not going to overreact because it's a different matchup. It's a different team. So I really can't full heartedly state that this Mavericks team will come out to play with that same defensive intensity that I was hoping they would play with, you know, in those games at home against the Suns. But for the most part, I want it to be similar. I want it to still be there somewhat. Second half came. It was just like a wholly different kind of game. And Luca, a guy who I predicted to get 39 points, was 19 points short. <laughs> a guy who finished with more turnovers. Credit the Warriors' defense. Once again, did a great job. I'm not going to ever slouch or, you know, slag off the Warriors' defense because that defense is good too. Top five in the NBA. So, yes, they play some good defense as well too. Credit them for forcing Luka into more turnovers than field goals made in that game. Seven to six. It's not good at all. It's not good at all. All right. Um, you had him just when it came down to him driving the pick and roll situation, we had him in a set where maybe he could have had the floater against Looney, but Looney did his job of showing that hard double team or forcing him to make that extra pass. And because it wasn't the Mavericks night of shooting the three point ball, they missed a lot of open threes. It's pretty much what happened last night, right? So I thought, they did, I thought they did a good job of doing that, making other players beat them because, you know, it's not really the best recipe considering how great the Mavericks have been shooting all postseason long. But at least when you're home and you when you don't want the best player who has been playing mind-boggling, he's been playing out of this world, by the way. When you're home and, and you want to focus in on the best player, it's not a bad recipe to choose to win the game. And that's what happened last night. Also, by the way, what do we say about my guy, Dinwiddie? Give me a smooth 15 points, a smooth 15 points at least for this series. 15, 13 off the bench, I'll be fine with that. 17 off the bench, did his job. Efficient, finally. No one could say that Dinwiddie did not do his job last night. He did his job last night. All right, great, great production from him off the bench. But from everyone else's perspective, 0 for 4 from 3 for Darius Bartons. Maxi Kleber, 1 for 4. 0 for 2 from Frank Nikila. Like, it's not good enough. It's not. 11 of 48 is not going to win you any type of game unless you find other ways to score. And for the most part, not that the Warriors are a much bigger team than them anyway, but that's not their bread and butter, right? That's not their bread and butter. Bread and butter is to have Luka, Jalen Brunson attack, 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 penetrate, and then we find our open shooters, Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleber, those kind of guys. Davis Bartons, those kind of guys, right? So that's what we want to see. 
Uh, but from the Warriors' standpoint, I must say, Clay Thompson came alive in the second half. Steph Curry came alive in the second half. Andrew Wiggins, who had been with, he, he was put with the task of defending Luca for the most part. He was that that one that was chasing Luca around. Um, didn't really work out sometimes. Sometimes it did work out, but 19 points while guarding Luca, who has been the best player on the court for pretty much every series he stepped onto so far. I must say, did his, he did a good job of that. Did a good job of that. Draymond Green, 10 points. Not too bad. Not too bad. Off the bench, obviously, Jordan Poole, very, very, very efficient night. 19 points, 8 of 12 shooting. Pretty damn good for me. Pretty damn good. But we're going to see a lot of these instances where the Warriors are going to find ways to be up by 10, 11, 13 points if the Mavericks don't make some three-pointers, man. You have to. You got to. Make the three-pointers and keep yourself in the game. But Luka has to play much better, though. I mean, he had a lot of turnovers last night. And when you have the ball and you are a high-volume dribbler, right, you need to find ways to keep the game clean because giving extra possessions to this Warriors team is is very dangerous, despite them not shooting the three-point ball well anyway. Giving extra possessions to this team is very, very dangerous. You don't want to do that at all. <laughs> at all. So we're going to see what happens in game two. Ah, uh, early prediction for game two. I don't I don't know, man. I want to believe in the Mavericks, but uh, I actually am. I'm going to believe in the Mavericks to get game two. I am. I am. I think there will be adjustments made. I think that Jason Kidd has proven that he can make adjustments and that he can tailor his team to the matchup at hand. So I'm going to go with the Mavericks in a close one in game two. Um, but I do expect their three-point shooters to play much better, you know, because they had a lot of open misses last night, a lot of open misses. Now, talk to me about tonight's game against the Miami Heat. The Boston Celtics will have Al Horford play this game. He will be available for tonight. Uh, Derek White will not be there because of the birth of his child. Congratulations to him, my guy. Um, he will not be there. Marcus Smart is trending upward to play this game. So, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say the Heat will lose this game. Because I saw the way the Celtics came out that first half. And we were probably caught off guard, maybe. That was probably it. Uh, but when they have relatively that same intensity as a road team, and you have your players back, defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, Al Horford coming back. He's going to be a big bonus for them, too. Now we have a chance to really steal game two. And that's what I think will happen. Now, does that mean my team doesn't have a chance to win game two despite their players coming back? Of course not. We can still win. We can still win. I'm not saying we're going to blow them out, but we can still win. But I realized that we're going to have a tough time, a really tough time. And it's going to take a lot of uh, team effort scoring to get us over the hump. Because let me tell you guys, man, facing the biggest team in the NBA right now, at least in the playoffs remaining, is no easy task. Robert Williams by himself was really eaten in that game, game one. You know, and... Um, we did a good job in the third quarter to turn up the heat. No pun intended. Uh, turn up the heat and, you know, play some better defense, force them into really tough shots, deflections, steals. It was a big uh, it was a big onslaught. It really is. C- couple of that with us making some really tough shots and getting everything we want from an offensive scoring perspective. That was a really big change for the third quarter. 39 to 14, pretty much. But 
you know, everything will change. No game is the same from the last. No game is similar from the last, pretty much. Everything could change just like that. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I do believe the Celtics will win game two. I think they're too good of a team. And if they don't win game two, haha, sucks to be you. I'll be happy regardless. <laughs> but um, Celtics, I do expect to see much better consistent performances from their role players, right? Because we had a case of, yeah, I mean, you had my guy Peyton Pritchard playing 18 or oh, 34 minutes. He had 18 points. It's not really what you want to play with this kind of guy, right? Because he's a very, very, very defensive liability for us to attack. So we'll see what happens. He will probably play around those minutes again, maybe, like maybe 25 plus, because now Derek White is not going to be there. So he will have to play some minutes. You just can't, you know what I'm saying? Um, but with the addition of Marcus Smart being back, Naismith will now be relegated back to the bench. Probably he may get some minutes, may not. We know that Ime Uduka likes to run this eight-man lineup, so it's pretty much what happens there of seeing whether or not he will get those minutes. But I do like the Celtics in game two. I really do. I really do. Um, it's sad, but I really do like them in game two. Let's hope and see. But, guys, tune in for that ESPN tonight, 8.30. Man, that would be a great game to watch. He are still favored by 2.5 to win the game. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But that is it for the NBA playoff talk. Yo, make sure to check in and see if I was right with my predictions. I usually am, but that's just me. Don't count the Mavericks game because that, was that wasn't really me. Man, that wasn't really me at all. <laughs> yeah, wasn't really me. But anyways, keep on watching some NHL playoff hockey because that is nice in itself. You know, let me know what you guys think about the situation between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban and Deion Sanders, notably uh, Nick Saban and his comments about these two programs. Really, really disappointing from his end. But, you know, he has to do better. Has to do better a lot. Um, and stay tuned for some more playoff talk. Stay tuned for some more coverage of sports and everything that revolves around it, man. And by the way, by the way, don't forget to support my team. Here at Game Breakers, we got a team. Will and I, that's pretty much it. But support MBS too. Support all the articles, all the podcasts and the shows that come out from the great producers and great hosts of MBS. My boss, Joe Cardoza, does his thing with that group. So listen, man. Keep on supporting, keep on tuning in, and stay tuned next time for some Game Breakers talk. It's your man, Edwin, and I am out.